0: Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. Gerald is in the back of an ambulance, with the unconscious student and an EMT. The ambulance races through the streets on its way to the hospital, sirens screaming. As the EMT monitors the young woman's vitals, Gerald holds his phone to one ear while his free hand is pressed against the other.
1: Branded! No, branded! Like with a branding iron? Yes, like cattle! Why would I joke about something like this? Of course, we need a unified statement immediately. Other people saw what happened. I'll be surprised if the press isn't waiting for us at the hospital. Yes, she's alive. She's just unconscious. She'll wake up, right? The EMT gives a concerned shrug. The EMT doesn't know. Perhaps because she's just an EMT. I'll let you know when we get to the real doctors. The brand is the same symbol. From the dummy. From the graffiti. Yes, obviously that would be good to keep out of the story, but people saw it. More people will see it. So just minimize, and that comes directly from the board. Fine. I'll get the word to my staff. You just make sure the rest of the offices are on the same page.
0: Gerald hangs up the phone and looks at the EMT.
1: I'm sorry I had to shout that phone call. I would normally have taken it in private. You're a student on the rescue squad, yes? I'm sure you know who I am, so I'm sure you understand why you cannot discuss any of this. Her injuries, my phone call, not with anyone. Definitely not with the press. That would not go well for your future.
0: Gerald smiles and touches the EMT's arm.
1: I'm glad we understand each other.
2: Just trying to figure it out If what I say Comes to fruition With these words I can't play around Walking on a wire.
0: Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, and I'm Sean Gunther. Season 2, Episode 5 The Woman of the Crowd, written by Cece Hutton, directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring Amanda Schrader, Norb Wessels, Zach Duncan, Donald Smith, Doug Lowe, Adrian Miller, and Carrie Zahn. At her apartment, Chelsea sips tea while Elaine types her apology letter on her laptop. They have no idea what just happened on campus.
3: I hate him. I hate him so much. Evil, monstrous bastard of a man. Not even a man, a thing. A scummy, slimy, horrible thing. (laughs) That's
4: a great way to open your public apology. Can you believe he demanded I write this? Yes. Narcissistic chauvinist! That's how you should open the letter. Dear Narcissistic Chauvinist... It's technically addressed to the editor of the school paper. Dear editor, Gerald Wagner is a narcissistic chauvinist. I'm so tempted. How much do you want to finish school? (sighs) I don't want to admit I was wrong. Even if it is a self-serving lie. So don't apologize for the content. Apologize for the delivery. For the ambush and the public accusation. Don't say it wasn't actually true. Sneaky Chelsea. As long as he thinks it makes him look good, that's all that matters. It's all about PR to him. Our lord and savior, Jerry Jesus Wagner, is going to save the university from injustice all on his own. Even if he were actually well-intentioned, we'd still be screwed.
0: Elaine grabs a squirt water bottle, normally used to discipline Dinah, and squirts Chelsea.
3: Hypersexualized language. Bad. Bad. Okay, okay.
0: Elaine lowers the squirt bottle. Dinah slinks tauntingly around Chelsea's legs.
4: Now, what were you saying? You distracted me with the patriarchy. <coughs> now I'm just wet and Gerald is still the devil. The local news did a report on the hate crimes and Gerald is soaking up the spotlight like Roxy Hart. The name on everybody's lips is gonna be put Jerry.
0: Elaine squirts Chelsea with water again.
4: Why? Sorry, impulsive
3: reaction to show tunes.
0: Elaine saves the letter and closes her laptop.
3: I can't believe the first thing I've written outside of my journal in the last four months is an apology letter to... He who must not be forgiven. I've really been thinking about writing again. Especially for a good cause. This is the
4: opposite of that. Not true. The good cause is your continued education. It's worth it even if you don't see it yet. But is it worth it to my pride? Dear campus, I'm sorry I went bonkers last semester. (laughs) Come on, Laney. Don't say bonkers. The technical term is insano.
0: Chelsea preemptively covers her face with her hands just before Elaine squirts her with the water
3: again. (laughs) I need to go to bed. The school paper has one more issue before classes start and I need to make sure this letter gets in.
4: Don't worry. Just name-drop President Dean Fancy Pants. They'll print it. And if you do decide to start writing for a cause again, I'm happy to be your proofreader slash adoring fan.
0: Elaine heads for the bathroom. Chelsea watches her go, a mixture of admiration and sadness on her face. Elaine is startled awake by Chelsea's scream. Frightened and groggily confused, she stumbles from the couch to Chelsea's bedroom. She leans on the slightly ajar door and nearly falls when it swings open. Chelsea stands on her bed. She points at the television with one hand while holding her phone in the other. Elaine squints at the television and sees Gerald on the morning news.
4: Someone was attacked on campus!
0: Elaine snaps from her haze, hurries to the TV, and turns up the volume.
1: She is awake and alert, her condition is stable, and she's expected to make a full recovery other than some scarring. I'm sorry I can't speak to the details of the incident. It's an active police investigation, and I haven't even had time to be briefed by the chief yet. After rushing the student to safety, I spent the entire night outside her hospital room.
3: What happens? Shh!
1: The student's parents are flying in from Connecticut. Once they arrive, we will release more information about her. For now... We ask that you respect her privacy.
4: Respect her privacy? You just said where she's from on television.
3: Chelsea, what's going on? Who was attacked?
0: Chelsea looks at her phone.
4: I don't know much more than what he's saying on TV. I have an email that says I'm not to discuss anything with students or the media. It also says that we are not to mention the words hate crime or in any way connect this to the hate speech graffiti. They wrote that in an email? But that means... That this attack is definitely connected to the graffiti. So this was a hate crime? I don't know. We have almost no information.
3: No. No, we do. This is connected with anti-gay graffiti. The woman is from Connecticut. Do you know any gay students from Connecticut?
0: Chelsea's mouth drops open. Her eyes immediately overflow with tears.
4: Oh, God. Michaela.
0: Chelsea falls to her knees on the bed. She stares blankly at the television for a moment before climbing down and scooping up clothes off the floor.
4: I need to get to campus. I'm coming with you.
0: Chelsea hops on one foot, trying to quickly put on jeans.
4: No, you need to drop off that letter at the school paper. But, but, Chelsea, this is so much more important. Laney, I've got this. If you're there, the chances of me spontaneously bursting into tears go up a good 50%. Are you sure? Yes. I'll keep you updated. Get dressed. I'll give you a write-in.
0: Chelsea hurries into her office, not even noticing that the door is unlocked. She stops suddenly... Confused to see Sydney sitting at her desk and talking on her office phone.
5: Of course. I'll call you personally with updates. Mm-hmm. Bye now.
0: Sydney hangs up the phone and smiles at Chelsea.
5: Good. You're finally here. Excuse me? Why are you in my office? Jerry needs someone to fend off the media. Word got out about the swords, and now the press is calling you constantly. What about swords? That weird symbol with the three swords and the male-female symbols? The one from the dummy and graffiti? It was branded on the girl.
4: Branded? Like tattooed?
5: No. Branded like branded. Burned on her arm.
4: Was it Michaela?
5: I can't divulge
4: that. God damn it, Sydney. I work here. We are in my office right now. What the fuck
5: happened? Yes, it was Michaela, if you must know. She was tied to the tree in the student union just like the dummy, wrapped in a rainbow flag. Jerry found her and cut her down. Jesus. How do you know all of this? Jerry called me. Like I said, he needed someone to handle it. Handle
4: it? A young woman was brutally assaulted. You're not handling anything. You're answering phones and deflecting attention.
5: And this is why Jerry called me first. We understand that the best way to keep students safe is to protect the details of the investigation. Bullshit. bull fucking shit. He doesn't want the media to know this was a hate crime. He doesn't want the university mentioned on CNN tonight. We don't know if it's a hate crime yet. That's actually a law enforcement term. We don't have the authority to apply it. So until then, we are not acknowledging any hypothetical connections between the slurs and the assault. You mean between the hate speech and the hate crime. Miss Wu, maybe I should keep manning the phones for you. You're clearly too upset to read Jerry's instructions.
0: Chelsea stomps over to her desk.
5: Sydney, get out of my chair. Get out of my office and get out of my face. Miss Wu, I have specific instructions from Jerry to...
0: Sydney looks at the ringing phone on Chelsea's desk... But Chelsea keeps her stare locked on Sydney.
5: Sidney,
4: if you even reach for that fucking phone, I will beat you to death with it.
0: Sidney recoils from Chelsea so hard that she almost knocks her chair over. She stands and heads out, giving Chelsea a wide berth.
5: You better watch what you say to the press. Jerry's not going to like this.
0: Chelsea waits until Sydney is completely out of the room before answering the phone. Later that day, Devin is already at Big Box when Elaine walks into the break room to start her shift. He greets her, but she does not acknowledge him. Well, good afternoon to you too, Ice Nazi.
6: Elaine rolls her eyes. Oh, come on. There's so many reasons to scold me
0: for saying Ice Nazi.
3: I don't need to explain anything except that it's a completely illogical and humorless joke.
0: There she is. Elaine walks out to the tech deck and Devin follows. She half-heartedly begins marking down some clearance electronics. Okay, no more Nazi jokes. Got it. Is Snow Queen PC enough?
3: Look, I I just don't feel like talking today, okay? Just let me scan fitness trackers and ignore customers.
7: Hey, Dev. You guys still got felony for reckoning?
0: Elaine drops her head in defeat as August approaches.
7: Bro! I saved you one at the counter. Yes. I cannot wait to mow down gangsters and innocent
6: bystanders. I was trying it out last night. You know, for someone who's never even gotten a speeding ticket, I suck at driving in video games. I earned an achievement for hitting 20 parked cars in under 20 seconds.
7: That's hilarious. Back in Felony 2, I got the special trophy for hitting an old woman crossing the street and dragging her 10 blocks. You have
6: no idea how many times I tried to do that one. I ran over so many old ladies.
0: Elaine stands up and glares at them both. Oh, hey Elaine, I didn't see you there.
3: Could you maybe take your homicidal hypermasculinity somewhere else today?
0: It's
6: just a game. I only ran over an old lady one time in real life.
3: Do you think that's a funny joke? That assaulting women is comedy?
6: Sorry,
7: Elaine. We didn't mean to be crude or whatever. It's just how those guys' games are, you know?
3: So now they're guy games because women can't play them?
6: Uh, I'm confused. Are we jerks for being men who play violent games, or are we jerks for implying that women are not also violent?
3: Right now, you're both just jerks.
7: Are you okay today? You seem upset.
3: Oh, is that some time of the month jab?
7: It's a you-just-called-your-friends-jerks-with-minimal-reason jab.
3: (sighs) I'm sorry. I just can't handle any more violence today.
6: Why? What happened? Are you okay?
3: student was assaulted on campus last night. A hate crime.
6: Anyone we know?
3: Chelsea knows her.
6: Jeez, I'm sorry, Elaine. Yeah. You guys need anything?
3: We gals don't need anything. But, But thanks.
6: Okay. I'm gonna go get that game. It's at the counter under your name. See you later, August.
7: Later, Dev. Bye, Elaine. Let me know if there's anything I can do.
3: Sure. Thanks, August.
0: August walks away. Elaine leans heavily against a rack of battery chargers. I want that dude to come in every shift I have with you.
3: Thanks. Your
6: tolerance for him is pretty much zero. I'm sorry that it's entertaining.
3: We just have a long, weird history.
6: Sounds like a story.
3: Not today, Devin.
6: Oh, pish posh. Sharing an embarrassing story with a friend always improves one's mood.
3: The sad part is there's not much to tell. We sort of dated for a couple years, but not really. I mean, I think he saw it differently, which is also pretty sad. We were never on the same page.
6: Two years is a long time to be confused. How do you not send any signals for two years?
3: Um, have you met me? Moderate hanging out? Minimal talking next to nothing physical? Dude held out for two years? Damn. Very mature. I hope
6: he woke up one day, found his backbone in the couch cushions, and moved on.
3: More like I ghosted him for months, until he had revenge sex with our mutual friend, to whom he's now engaged.
6: (laughs) Amazing. I definitely get to call you Snow Queen now. Let it go. Oh, I see what you did there.
3: Are you happy now that you know the truth?
6: Yes, and it's not that embarrassing.
0: Elaine gives him a look.
6: Okay, it's wildly embarrassing, but I won't tell anyone, so
0: it's all good. Chuck swerves in from around the corner, even more annoyed than usual. Which one of you asshats is leaning on your walkie? Elaine jumps away from the rack of chargers. She looks from the walkie-talkie on her belt to Chuck. All the color drains from her face. Devin quickly goes from shock to trying
8: to hide his amusement. That's right, Snow Queen. You just transmitted your little story to the entire store.
3: I... I... I I did? How much of it?
8: Just the part where you let a guy on for two years.
3: How bad was it?
8: Next to nothing physical, revenge sex, those were the highlights, and I'm pretty sure everyone here will be calling you Snow Queen for at least a month. Oh, come on, Chuck. I'm sure most of your stellar employees were far too busy working to listen to Elaine. You know what kind of morons work here. I'd be surprised if they didn't make popcorn. Devin glares at Chuck. I'm sure it
6: wasn't that bad,
8: right? Sure, whatever. Nobody heard anything. It's all fine. Get back to work, jackwagons. And I'm instituting bag checks before you leave for the day. My applesauce disappeared again. I took it. I know this doesn't seem important to you, tech boy, but it's about respect. It's not a joking matter. When I find out who's been taking it, they'll see a different side of jolly old Chuck.
0: Chuck grumbles and slouches away. Elaine buries her face in her hands. Hey, don't worry about it. Do you know how many people have leaned on
6: their walkies in the bathroom? I've listened to so many co-workers pee.
3: I should quit, right? Just walk out and never return?
6: And no way. Who cares what the goons around here think about you?
3: I don't handle shame well.
6: That's because you don't make enough bad jokes. I got over shame a long time ago.
3: I'm pretty sure I'll pass out in the next meeting when everyone looks at me.
6: I'll deal with them, okay? Don't worry about it. Why don't you, me, and Chelsea go out Friday? Get your minds off of all the horrible and embarrassing things happening?
3: Maybe. I'll check with Chelsea when she gets home. I imagine it will be a long day for her.
0: Later, back at the apartment, Elaine paces restlessly as she waits for word from Chelsea. Edgar Allan Poe paces the room as well, keeping stride with Elaine as he nervously fingers his mustache.
3: It's getting really late. Why isn't she answering my texts?
9: Chelsea has her own horror to deal with, I think.
3: I know. I'm just worried about her and feel totally helpless. She's probably stuck in her office with... him. And poor Michaela is in the hospital. They've kept everything about it being a hate crime out of the press.
9: Terrible truths have a way of being heard. A heartbeat under the floorboards, if you will.
3: And this awful criminal is still out there. He could be stalking more students right now. The campus doesn't even know what to look for, how he's targeting people. Hiding the details isn't keeping anyone safe.
9: Wagner has great power, as does the institution he represents. If they want to spin their own narrative, one of random crimes, rather than calculated agendas, they need but speak it on the record.
3: More people are going to get hurt because of the school avoiding a PR nightmare.
9: So that's why I'm here. You ordered a nightmare.
3: It's not about hurting Gerald. It's about keeping the campus safe.
9: Your heart is laid bare before me. We keep no secrets, you and I.
3: Okay, so maybe it's also about exposing the school's corruption, but I really do want to keep the students safe.
9: The press is compromised, the truth obscured. You have but one recourse
3: vigilanteism?
9: Civilian journalism.
3: Like a blog. I can tell the truth, expose the connections they're covering up.
9: Vigilantism could always follow, though. I have a knack for investigation, being the father of detective fiction and whatnot.
3: If I hurry, I can get the first article up tonight. Then I just need to spread the word.
9: Your circle isn't exactly vast, though. You'll need assistance with the advertising.
3: I'll have my friends share it on social media. And I'll talk to Devin about how to grow a following. He has tons of followers on his blog about some murder game he plays.
9: You speak of violence with such disdain, as if murder holds no fascination for you.
3: Violence turns my stomach.
9: Perhaps that's because you've never played a game about murdering a monster who deserves it. Elaine stops pacing
0: and narrows her eyes at Poe.
3: You're going to help me write. We aren't going to think anymore about anyone getting murdered.
9: Poe raises an eyebrow, but nods. Understood. Bring it to paper, then. And let us see what truths we uncover.
0: The next day, Chelsea works in her office, typing an email. Gerald enters through the open door. Chelsea doesn't even look up. What are
1: you working on?
4: Hang on a sec.
0: Chelsea finishes and sends her email, then turns to Gerald.
4: What do you need?
1: I asked, what are you working on?
4: I was just reserving a space.
1: Please start elaborating, Chelsea. I don't want to waste the next hour asking for more details about your vague answers.
4: I'm reserving a space for the bystander intervention and self-defense sessions I'm organizing.
1: I never cleared this.
4: You've either been in press conferences or meetings with the board. How could I clear it with you?
1: Why are you running these sessions?
4: Because some psychotic bigot is targeting our student population. They need to know how to protect themselves and each other.
1: You misunderstand me. Why are you running these sessions?
0: Chelsea scrunches her face, not understanding.
1: What jurisdiction does your office have to run these events?
4: Uh, I'm the LGBTQ coordinator, and this asshole is attacking LGBTQ students?
1: That's just speculation, Miss Wu. The police have found no evidence that this was a hate crime.
4: Are you kidding me? Michaela is a lesbian.
1: She is also blonde, petite, brown-eyed... How do we know what he's targeting?
4: How about the same creepy symbol that also accompanied anti-gay hate speech? Isn't that evidence?
1: Anyone could use that symbol.
4: That's ridiculous. It's the same guy or guys.
1: We do not know that and cannot jump to such conclusions. Hundreds of people saw that symbol around campus. Thousands have seen it on tarot cards.
4: It's a tarot symbol?
1: The Three of Swords.
4: How do you even know that?
1: It's a common symbol. How have you not already researched it?
4: Is it commonly drawn stabbing through gender symbols?
1: The point is that anyone could use that symbol.
4: This is a hate crime. We need to inform and train our students.
1: This is not a hate crime until the police investigating...
4: Until the police declare it a hate crime. Yeah, yeah, I heard.
1: I don't think you understand the seriousness of throwing those words around.
4: I don't think you understand the seriousness of LGBTQ students getting branded. I will not sit here and do nothing.
1: If any of our minority population students have concerns, they can certainly come to our offices and voice them. But until this issue actually falls under the auspices of your position, you will hold no public events linking this awful attack to a larger pattern motivated by hate.
4: Dean Wagner, you need to listen to- Do
1: we understand each other?
4: Please, Gerald. This is so much bigger than- Do
1: we understand each other?
0: Chelsea slumps in her chair.
3: Yes.
1: Good. Now cancel that reservation. You won't need that space any longer.
0: Chelsea waits a few moments until it becomes clear that Gerald isn't going to leave until she follows his instructions. She begins typing a new email to cancel the reservation. <music> Elaine takes a cold bottle of ginger ale from the fridge and opens it. She walks to the couch where Poe sits. <coughs> Dinah hops on top of Elaine's laptop on the coffee table. She experimentally taps Elaine's copy of Edgar Allan Poe a tree that rests beside the computer.
9: I was going to suggest nonfiction, but I can't argue with that choice. Elaine stares down at the cat.
3: Uh, can, can you please move?
0: Dinah does not move. Elaine points to Dinah and then the ground.
3: You. Floor.
0: Elaine points to her laptop.
3: Me. Right.
0: Dinah ignores her and stretches further on the table.
3: Please don't make me touch you.
0: Dinah becomes far more interested in cleaning herself than letting Elaine have her precious laptop.
3: Dinah!
0: She sets her ginger ale on the coffee table, holds her breath, and awkwardly picks up Dinah. She tosses her on the couch. Dinah meows and prances off the cushion and onto the floor by Elaine's feet, wanting more rare attention from Elaine.
3: Why people domesticate animals and let them rampage in their home is beyond me. You're just creepy, Dinah.
9: That's the quality I admire most about cats.
3: Gross. Now I'm not so sure you're an extension of my writing process.
9: Ooh,
0: mysterious. Elaine frowns at Poe. He flickers and vanishes. Attempting to tiptoe over Dinah, Elaine bangs her shin into the coffee table, knocking her books onto the floor.
3: Ow! Seriously? Seriously?
0: Dinah playfully rolls onto her side and meows at Elaine's pain. <coughs> Elaine gathers her stuff and sits on the couch. As soon as she's settled, Dinah hops onto her lap.
3: Damn it, cats!
0: Dinah rubs her head and ears on Elaine and purrs, demanding attention. Elaine grudgingly and awkwardly pets her. The door opens and Chelsea tiredly steps into the apartment. She freezes as she sees Elaine tentatively petting Dinah.
4: Today was rough, but Dinah forcing friendship on you is making it a little more bearable.
0: Chelsea drops her bag and falls onto the couch next to Elaine.
4: Okay, the moment's passed. Back to feeling horrible and hating everything.
0: Elaine, not so playfully, pushes Dinah off her lap. Dinah gracefully slinks onto Chelsea's lap instead, who is considerably more grateful for the animal.
3: How is Michaela? I've been trying to keep up by watching the news, but they haven't said much.
4: I think she'll be okay. Supposedly a reconstructive surgeon is going to work on her arm for free? I don't even know how he heard about it. They've kept everything about the brand and the symbol under wraps. Is he still worried about the PR fallout? This is coming straight from the board. I just hear it through him.
3: Why is he still bothering with the board? I wouldn't think he'd care about anybody's opinion since he's going to be president.
4: Oh no, the board is different. They really run the school. Big donors and community leaders... They're the only ones who could overrule or fire him. So even rapist
3: authoritarians still answer to someone.
4: Yeah, a bunch of someones who care as much about the students as he does. If this is a random assault, it's just unfortunate and lands in a local paper. If it's a hate crime, it makes national news and shows we have an inclusion problem. Looks really bad for the school. Also looks bad for him, Mr. Inclusion Initiative Task Force. What a stupid name. Right?
0: Chelsea continues to softly stroke Dinah's ears. Elaine points to her laptop.
3: So I started a new project. A blog. Writing about these hate crimes for now.
4: Many more issues to cover after that. I want to hear all about it after I sleep for the next 12 hours.
0: Chelsea checks the time on her phone.
4: Fuck. Six hours. Early meeting tomorrow. Devin wants to go out this Friday. Splendor? Maybe. We'll see how things are going by then. I'll probably need the break. Just let me know. Which, I guess shouldn't be
3: too hard. Sometimes I forget we live together. I don't forget. What's that?
4: I said I'm going to get some sleep. Oh, okay. Good night.
0: Chelsea watches Elaine return to her laptop. She nods, defeated, and pets Dinah. That Friday, at happy hour, Elaine, Chelsea, and Devon sit at a table in the loud and bustling Splendor. Elaine nurses a ginger ale while Devon and Chelsea sip beers.
4: You know that you're drinking alcohol-laced toilet water, right? They have really good local brews on tap.
0: Yeah, but this was two dollars. Chelsea shakes her head. Devin toasts her with his cheap light beer.
4: I thought this place would be
3: more sad and gross in the daylight.
4: Elaine... Let me tell you a story about adventures outside of your nerd cave. There's this glorious time of day for mildly bored 8-5 to people called Happy Hour. It's still sad and it's still gross, but typically only figuratively. Thank you for the patronizing lesson. I have been enlightened. Oh hey, look at that! You really are rubbing off on me. Haha.
6: Hey Elaine, I got a chance to read your blog.
3: What did you think? Are you
6: asking for real, or do you just want me to tell you that you're great? I have a friend who's been writing this fantasy novel for years, but whenever he asks for comments, he really just wants me to agree with everything and say he's a genius.
3: Actual criticism, please. I'd prefer it to be constructive, though.
4: Well, I
6: did find it a little stiff. Pretty complex analysis, just to inform people.
4: Devin! I'd like you to meet Elaine!
3: Don't you dare start feeding off of each other.
6: But hey, what do I know about writing?
3: Your blog has thousands of followers. Well,
6: uh, yeah, but yours already has 21, last I checked. Writing about local topical issues attracts attention, even if it's on the academic side. You pull in 20 more followers a day, you'll be global. In about 40,000 years?
3: I don't need to go global. But it would be nice to reach more people in the community. Hard to inform them about what's going on if no one is listening.
4: It would be nice if we could combine our efforts. I can reach a lot of students and faculty quickly, but my evil boss won't let me run my training sessions.
10: What
6: are you trying to train? How to rip off an attacker's ear?
4: Well, self-defense in general. But yeah, forced ear removal would count. Bystander intervention also.
6: Too bad you're not allowed. I could help. I've been doing Taekwondo for 15 years.
3: Really? You don't seem like the type.
6: I got into it during my... anime phase. Also known as my life since I was 10.
4: I had an anime phase, but it ended when I discovered girls.
6: I expect mine to end around the same time.
4: (laughs) Normally I have the campus police and karate club teach self-defense classes, but seeing as I'm not allowed to hold any right now... What if it wasn't a campus event? The Township Rec Center is
3: only two minutes down the road. I could never advertise or organize it though. I'd get fired. So let me do that part. I can advertise it on my blog. Devin can do the self-defense. You can teach bystander intervention.
4: The semester starts on Monday.
3: You won't be too busy? I'm only taking one class and working part-time.
4: I can manage. Okay, but how will you advertise it? Don't you only have 21 followers?
6: Let me worry about increasing Elaine's reach. I went to high school with Madison Kepler.
4: The news anchor?
6: The very same. We're still friendly. She has almost 300,000 followers on her social media. I bet she would love Elaine's ideas. We just need to get your blog more accessible.
3: I'm sorry my writing isn't as easy to read as your blog about murder games.
6: Oh, you don't want to go there. Remember what happened the last time you went off about murder games and ended up telling everyone about August and Drea's revenge sex?
4: (laughs) Shots fired! I knew I liked this dude.
6: I liked you until you just spoke about me in the third person.
4: Elaine, you should bring Devin around more often.
3: Okay, Tone Police, that's twice you've insulted my work without constructive suggestions. So how would you suggest I deliver my articles?
6: Normally, I would say you should write like you talk, but... Honestly, that doesn't help your case.
3: Wow. Great note. I'll just work on completely changing everything about myself, and just submit to any dweeb's opinion about my craft. And... And maybe there is some value to dweeby opinions. I shouldn't write like the only person reading is me.
6: Whoa! Did you just level up? Where are you going to put your skill points?
3: If I'm going to keep being friends with the two of you, I'd better put them in patience. God, I wish they served popcorn here. You realize I'm still waiting on a concrete suggestion for my writing.
0: Hmm. Constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. Devin lifts his beer and looks under it, like constructive criticism might be hiding there. How about... Don't write like
6: you talk. Write like... Chelsea talks.
3: So monosyllabic with no commas.
0: Chelsea finishes her beer and burps.
4: I'm hungry and need time to think of a good retort using a lot of syllables. Let's go get pizza. Third wheel is welcome to join.
6: I think she means you, Snow Queen.
0: Late that night... Elaine sits awake on the couch, working on her next article. As she peers ever so closely at the screen, Poe leans in right next to her face. The light from the screen shines on both of them. It's still...
9: dry. Is your audience made up of half-asleep grammar teachers?
0: Elaine's eyes move to the number at the top corner of her page, where all 21 of her followers tantalize her.
3: My audience is anyone who will listen. I'm trying to adjust my language to be more accessible and better inform them.
9: Well, you can't exactly be informative if there's no one to inform. Try a little drama to reel them in. Something gruesome.
3: Maybe add a sensational anecdote? Use blood as a hook and murder as a sinker?
9: I think you're onto something.
3: Maybe I can go even further with exaggerating facts and say there were some body parts hidden in the floorboards.
0: Poe holds his hands behind his back and leans
9: away, glaring at Elaine. You must fancy me a madman.
3: You should not be referencing mental illness so casually. And I shouldn't casually mention murder and disembodiment. Why did society create a space to normalize careless offensive language?
9: Welcome to the internet, where anyone can have a voice. (laughs) Truly the death of productive literary criticism.
3: Where. Anyone can have a voice and anyone can be a journalist. What am I even doing here? I have zero credentials or credibility to be doing this.
9: The differences between you and the rabble, Elaine, are talent and a story. You have both. You are not some voice screaming into the void. Yours is a story begging to be told, in a voice worthy of the telling.
3: What if I change this paragraph to be more directive, rather than relying too heavily on implication?
9: Hmm. A worthy revision. You might also reconsider this sentence that goes on for seven lines. Brevity, wit, and all that.
3: Do you think with all these changes it can be successful?
9: Success and reach are quite different. I was paid only nine dollars for one of the most famous poems in history. Be confident in your art. And don't worry about its relationship to your success.
3: Right. I'm going to publish it. At least 21 people care what I'm saying. Maybe Devon can help spread the word.
0: Elaine clicks Publish, and her page refreshes as a new post. She starts to read it again as her cursor hovers over the Delete button. Confidence,
9: Elaine, I have great faith.
3: You're an extension of me, so that means I have faith in myself, right? That's how this
9: works? (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine.
0: Elaine stares at him as the wheels turn in her head.
9: All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream.
3: Did I just inception myself? My brain hurts.
0: Elaine continues to reread the posted article.
3: Is it... Too aggressive? Too dramatic? It's so important. It needs to be approachable.
9: Words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality.
3: These words are real, all right. And exquisitely horrible. I just hope people actually read it.
0: Her silenced phone buzzes with a call from Devon. <gasps> Aha! Rap rap at your chamber door! She just stares at it until it goes to voicemail. It buzzes with a text from him
9: immediately. You must admit, it does sound suspiciously like rapping. Elaine leans in to read Devin's text. Just read the article.
6: It's amazing. You take feedback really well. I'll share it with Madison right away. Get some sleep.
0: Devin follows with a text depicting only a sleepy emoji.
3: I hope this works. Training sessions are supposed to be Wednesday night, and I need more than 21
0: people to show. And care.
9: Merely this, and nothing more.
0: Elaine smiles, amused at her own cleverness, and closes her laptop. The following Wednesday, Elaine, Chelsea, and Devon are backstage at the Township Rec Center.
4: This place is as packed as Victoria's Secret on Black Friday. And it's not just students! I totally overheard these two blue-haired old ladies excited to learn how to kick some pervert ass. Their words, not mine.
6: All credit to Elaine, the digital watchdog. You know, you should really consider checking to see if that URL is available.
3: Um, no. On both accounts. I had under 30 followers until you got Madison to share it.
6: Okay. All credit to me, I am awesome.
4: Doesn't matter who gets the credit. Though I was Team Devin before he fell in love with himself. This is happening and it means so much to everyone here. And now I have 500 followers
3: and counting. We can keep everyone informed without the institutional hurdles.
4: I'm like the rogue school paper. (laughs) That's great, Elaine.
0: Look at you, Citizen Elaine. Elaine and Chelsea pause and stare at Devon, Like Citizen Kane?
6: Which was about a newspaper mogul? (laughs) Newspapers and journalism?
3: Oh, we get it. It just wasn't funny.
6: Yeah, uh... Uh, Cool. Um, I'm going to go teach old ladies how to rip off
0: ears. Devin walks away.
4: I'd better go find Maggie. She's going to help me pass out whistles to everyone. The Rogue Lesbian Inclusion Initiative Task Force. Keeping the campus safe one annoying gym teacher whistle at a time.
0: (whistles) Elaine jumps. Jesus!
4: I
3: can hear my heartbeat in my ears! I think I swallowed my heart. Ugh. I hope you brought enough whistles. There's a lot more people out there than we anticipated. (laughs) Seriously, Laney, thank you for this. You know, I would do anything to stop him, or at least to disseminate the truth about him. And I'm really excited about how many people I'm reaching.
4: Yeah, me too.
0: next day, Chelsea is in the middle of her session with Dr. Lemon in Lemon's office.
4: It's nice to hear your event went so well. Technically, it was Elaine's event, not mine. I can't publicize my involvement.
10: Regardless, you put a lot of yourself into it. You should be proud, even privately.
4: I guess so. Elaine was definitely happy to get such a following for her blog.
10: Chelsea, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record but you've hardly finished a sentence without mentioning Elaine. I'm just really grateful for her help is all. I'm including our last four months of sessions.
0: Chelsea slumps in her chair, shoulders sagging, as if weighed down by some great burden.
4: I know. Why does that make you sad? I did what you asked last time, read about codependency.
10: I see. What did it make you think about?
4: Well, obviously I thought about Elaine and myself.
10: How do you see those concepts relating to your relationship with Elaine? I'm clearly the enabler.
4: I suppose she's the addict? I
10: don't know. It,
4: it doesn't fit perfectly. She's certainly not an addict.
10: Perhaps not an addict. But don't get hung up on the terminology. Perhaps another word would be a better fit.
4: A user? Yeah, maybe that one. She used to make everything about her. She's really changed a lot, though. She treats almost everyone better. Almost, everyone?
0: No Freudian slips get past you, do they? Dr. Lemon softly smiles and waits.
4: With me, it's like the same old Elaine. Everything's still about her. She doesn't treat Devin like that. But Devin is a new friend, yes?
10: So perhaps Elaine has changed. But I just told you- Perhaps you are the one who has stayed the same.
0: Chelsea clamps her mouth shut.
10: Is it possible you're helping to perpetuate this imbalance in your relationship? I guess that's what
4: an enabler does, isn't it?
10: We've discussed this multiple times, but it would likely be a huge load off your mind to talk with her about this.
4: I appreciate your insights so much more when they're easy to achieve.
10: Tangible growth is never easy, Chelsea. I know. I know, I'm still just waiting for the right time. Don't wait too long. It's clearly weighing on you. For your sake and the sake of your relationship, you need to address it.
0: That night, a masked figure crouches behind a parked white sedan in the almost deserted university library parking lot. The car has a large rainbow flag bumper sticker. The man lurks in the shadows, watching the front doors of the library. Kitty, an exhausted student, exits the library, texting on her phone. The masked man gradually stands upright. The needle of the syringe in his hand glints in the light of the old street lamps. Kitty's phone rings just as she nears her car, and the man slinks back into the shadows. She answers and leans against her car, still unaware of her stalker a few feet away.
3: Hey, Mom. Yeah, I know it's late. I'm just studying. No. No, I'm not drunk. It's Thursday. Jeez. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just gonna go home and try to get some sleep before my exam. Thanks. Love you too.
0: She hangs up and moves to pull out her keys. The masked man lunges at her, knocks her phone away, and slams her against the car door. He covers her mouth with his free hand while moving the syringe to her arm. She tries to scream, but his hand muffles the sound somewhat. She grabs his wrist, trying to hold back the syringe. Kitty's movement escalates from struggles to thrashes, and she manages to knee her attacker in the crotch. He doesn't let go, but in the split second of vulnerability, his grip loosens. She seizes the opportunity to scream. The man slams her forcefully against the car, knocking the wind out of her. He pushes the needle of the syringe into her arm. Hey! Before he can inject her, the masked man whirls around and sees a student bystander exiting the library. The bystander has a phone raised to her ear.
3: Get away from her! I'm calling 911!
0: The masked man looks back at Kitty, who is starting to struggle again. The bystander blows loudly on a whistle. The masked man shoves Kitty to the ground, syringe still hanging out of her arm. He sprints in between the building and the trees. Other students, alerted by the whistle, come out of the library and rush to Kitty's side. The bystander, still on the phone, squints in the direction the masked man had run. Now, only darkness. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten Executive Producers Chris Burnside Megan Burnside Producers Anna Adame Carrie Zahn Lead Writers Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside Story by Anna Adame Chris Burnside Amanda D, Joey Ferber Jana Gomes Kathy Holt CeCe Hutton Stephen Kallenberg Grace Poppy Tavis Taylor Assistant Director, Megan Burnside. Sound Engineer, Dan Seavers. Theme song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortensen. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com.
4: everyone this is jordan lopez voice of chelsea Wu. i wanted to thank you all for listening and remind you to rate and review unwritten on itunes every review helps us show higher in the rankings be sure to follow us on facebook or instagram and twitter at dwm presents thank you